This is Backwash. I am John from AdamRiff.com. And I am Adam, zombieologist on Twitter. And I am in Los Angeles for the third consecutive month. It's good for my uh, Southwest Rapid Rewards flying down here every month. I remember um, uh, reading that there was a director for... Seinfeld and, and news radio and he lived in Oregon and he would fly down every day to to work in LA and then fly back up every day to go that, home. He, that he had to work yeah that's incredible anyway the, the shitty part about being in LA so much is that it messes with my gym routine when, when I'm at home I I go to the gym six days a week and it's you know two hours a day, and I'm I'm really not sure what I'm doing at the gym though. It's like like I never learned how to how to shave. My my father never never taught me how to. I just learned by watching. Do you remember that uh, Simpsons episode <laughs> where Homer teaches Bart how to shave? And it just kind of like watched that and and, <laughs> and mimicked Homer shaving and. So you learn from a cartoon. Yeah, and and similarly like at the, at the gym, I'll just like watch other people and see what they're doing and just like copy them or like you'll see personal trainers uh working with with people and I'll just like not what's the like the visual version of eavesdrop? I'll just like peek at them. Snoop, and just, yeah, you snoop on it. You see what what yeah, they're I'm, doing. Yeah, and so so that's how I work out. Basically just Exercises I, I I cobbled together from from observing other people, and then I I go online and I see these articles that are like oh the worst workouts to, the worst exercises to do the most overrated exercises, and I read through them and it's like everything I'm doing is worthless. So I just saw this one, and it says oh don't do sit ups they're terrible for you. Uh, according to the Navy Times, the sit-up is an outdated exercise today viewed as a key cause of lower back injuries. The Canadian Armed Forces has already cut the activity, and they're known worldwide for their lack of lower back injuries. They're known and, for that? Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm over here doing <laughs> 200 sit-ups every other day. And so, okay, now, now sit-ups are worthless. Crunches are worthless. Don't do the elliptical machine. Don't do Smith machine squats. Don't do curls. It's basically like... What does this leave you with? Yeah, it leaves you with like two exercises, you know, <laughs> squats and, and, and planks or something. I don't, under, and, I don't understand how you could just benefit from... I, I, I don't understand how like every exercise is, is, is terrible for you. Well, how do they come up with these machines if they're all worthless, right? Or, or these this this equipment. Well, some people are gaining results from using them. So, I mean, this can't be overall true. Is it just because they're like injury prone exercises? Like, what's the what's the gate? What are they gauging this on? 
because they get hurt because uh, people get hurt and so it's a bad exercise because obviously some like people are getting or it's not working the, the proper muscles or people do it improperly it seems like every article is oh don't do this just do this but you know it just leaves you with like two things to do meanwhile you go to the gym and there's like 50 machines and you're trying to navigate your way through them but evidently none of them are worthwhile you're you're better off just like you know why why have a gym membership if, if nothing at the gym is 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 useful part of the reason i've never gone to a gym or gotten a membership is because i have no idea what i'm doing you just done the same thing except go and copy people's it explains why I'm in such great shape, right? Because I've not gone and done a bunch of wrong exercises. Okay, notes. So I saw this article about the, there's the man with two penises. So two years ago, a man took to Reddit to tell the world that he was born with two penises. And it seems that he, he wrote a book about his life. And he just published his second book. So the man with two penises is also a man with two books. A book for each penis. The first one was an e-memoir, Doubleheader, My Life with Two Penises, in which he detailed his life's exploits from discovering he was bisexual to delving into hardcore sex. Okay. And the second book, Double Stuffed, Steamy Tales from My Life with Two Penises is explicit stories about his rendezvous with men and women. The biggest complaint I got about the first book was that it was too short and didn't include enough sex. Okay. So The Man with Two Penises has two books. It says in the article, I'm just going to read from the article. What is your favorite story in the new book and why? He says, if I had to choose from the current book, I would say that it's a tie between The Adorable Hitchhiker and the girl I met that worked at the comic book store, both of them were capable of mind-blowing prolapses. Seeing the girl push her elongated cervix so far out of her body before her entire vagina turned inside out blew my mind. <laughs> just as the guy who had just turned 20 years old when I met him had an anal prolapse bigger than any I'd ever seen. What? You, you, you know what he's talking about, right? Yeah. The... The, the dude just pop poop, not pooped, but popped his anus out of his body. Sure, that's a weight. <laughs> that's like a weightlifter's uh, problem. <laughs> so on one side you have a dude with two penises, and on the other you have a dude with his anus outside of his body. <laughs> By popular demand, the man with two penises. Second book, folks. I don't think uh, our bodies are supposed to be doing some of these things, but. Oh, here we go. In your new book, you graphically describe your love of receiving fisting. You also wrote, I can turn my ass inside out if I flex and push moderately. Is your doctor worried for you? My doctor is very aware of the condition of my ass and isn't thrilled about it, to say the least. <laughs> At this point in my life, it does turn inside out occasionally when I sneeze, cough, or get overzealous in the gym doing squats. Well, there's, a, there's a gym. <laughs> However, it immediately pulls back inside my body. This is uh, this, uh, this guy has gone into a lot of detail, and we don't yes. know, and we don't know who he who he actually is. No, so the man with two penises also <laughs> enjoys a, a fist up his butt. Wow! Like so, 
He's like a a puppet with two penises, right? Well, <laughs> visually. Next, Wheeler Walker Jr. You've heard of him, right? I it's not ringing a bell. So, do you remember uh, the Ben Show? It was yeah, like the starved to Nathan for you's. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yep. So Ben Hoffman, his show was canceled, and he decided to become a filthy or a comedy act, a country music singer named Wheeler Walker Jr. Oh, it's Ben Hoffman. Yeah, and so he he grew a beard and recorded a bunch of comedy, their NSFW songs, and he's full method as this this country music singer. I mean, the website has his, his Wheeler Walker Jr.'s website, wheelerwalkerjr.com, has a whole backstory, and he has an album, and Rolling Stone has written articles about him. So this is what he's doing now. <laughs> is it any is it any good? Is it funny? It's really weird because it's legitimate it's a legitimate country music, but the the you know, the song titles are, you know, fuck you bitch, eating pussy, kicking ass, fighting fucking farting, better off beating off, sit on my face. I was hoping for a little bit less uh on the nose, but Well, you know, the Ben show, the comedy on there was not subtle. <laughs> no. It was pretty good. Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. But the thing with the Ben show is that he went back to the well, like he did recurring bits. Yeah. That's that's not good when you only have like eight episodes yeah. and by episode five you're already the reusing uh, the well ran dry real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So now so now he's a uh, like an Andy Kaufman esque musician, a la Hard and Firm. That was Chris Hardwick. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, the, the Naked Trucker. Finally, the Boxcar Children. Do you remember reading the Boxcar Children books I as a child? I didn't read them when I was little, no. I mean, I know who they are. They seem like a bunch of assholes. If you're unfamiliar, the Boxcar Children is a children's book series about four siblings who become orphans, live in an abandoned boxcar, and then it turns out they have a rich grandfather, so they move in with their grandfather. And I, I always thought that it would be more interesting if we just followed them hustling as, you know, four orphans living in a boxcar rather than... Shit, shit would the, get grim, right? Yeah. I, I wanted to be more, like, shameless. <laughs> because I love stories about poor families, and the boxcar children kind of half-assed it. Like well, that first book... I. You know, that first book was good because it was about them living on the streets, sleeping in a boxcar, and then they become, you know, well-to-do grandchildren who solve mysteries. And at that point, it's like, who cares? Well, they, right? they pivot the entire story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the desperation makes things interesting. When your uncle's rich, you no longer have that. Yeah. It kind of kills everything, kills anything that's interesting. So the boxcar children popped into my head this weekend and I was surprised to discover that these books are still being written. And the latest one is the boxcar children and the celebrity cat caper. <laughs> and the synopsis is the Aldens are excited to meet their favorite celebrity, Walter the cat who makes the funniest videos on the internet. And when this celebrity cat inherits a million dollars from his owner, he becomes even more famous. 
but someone seems to be angry about the will and is stealing things from Walter's house. Is this cat too famous for his own good? They have to go and throw in an animal. So, uh, you know, the future of America is reading mysteries like this about a celebrity cat. And then I'm looking at the more um, recent boxcar boxcar children novels. The mystery of the stolen snowboard. (laughs) The mystery of the soccer snitch. The mystery of the missing pop idol. (laughs) And then there's this, the mystery at the Calgary Stampede, which... That sounds like they're trying to sell something, like the city of Calgary. Listen to the synopsis. The Allens head up north for the Calgary Stampede, a cowboy celebration of Canada's frontier spirit. True, this is an actual event. But when a valuable piece of jewelry from the festival's history vanishes, the children are on the case. (laughs) Did the Calgary Stampede pay for this, this... product placement i'm i'm waiting for i don't see it on the list here but the mystery of the arby's curly fries yeah like what the fuck that seems just really that seems paid for are they still writing bernstein bears books oh don't even get me started on the bernstein bears i don't know where that a came from they're stain bears no it's steen with an e it's bernstein dude I have asked literally everyone I know about I'm this, looking, and they all I'm swear. They they spell it. Bernstein. No. No one has ever in my life called them the Bernstein Bears, and I've never seen it that way. There's a total conspiracy. Oh, my God. Are they still you're, writing it? I think they might be. I don't know. Oh, good. Yes. So, well, now they just seem to be like Christian books. I don't care. I, I The Bernstein Bears, God bless our country. <laughs> Uh, the Bernstein Bears the apparently Ber- became Republican. Yeah. The Berenstein Bears keep the faith. The Berenstein Bears blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, my God. The Berenstein Bears do not fear God is near. Okay. They're, I can't believe you're a Bernstein Bear believer. That's what they're called. That's the I understand the- that's what they're called, but when I was little... Like make up a pronunciation. No, but it wasn't ever even spelled well, that way. Everyone get, I know spells you, it with an E. How do you get Ian from AI? In no... In no you know, in no, in no spelling is, is AI ever pronounced E. It, it always was whenever I remember them and had ever heard Your it. Your friends pronounce February without the R? I don't, couldn't tell you that. I haven't pulled that one yet, but I'm telling you, I've had people spell it, described it without saying what the name was, and said, I described what I wanted them to spell, which was, okay, there was children's books, there was a family of bears. What were they called? Spelled on a piece of paper. And every one of them put an E and pronounced it Steen, not Stain. I've, I've, I pulled like 10, 10 or 15 people and they all did the same thing. I'm telling you, there's something weird. It's a weird conspiracy. Look it up, people. Okay, Rory posted this thing on Adam Riff about how Netflix is uh, using the widescreen masters of Malcolm in the Middle and you can how you can see uh, stuff that <laughs> shouldn't be on camera because of the four by three the, ratio, the, the, wide, the widescreen format. Because you know when Malcolm premiered, we were still using four three televisions. And <laughs> my first thought was, you know, Fox had the sense to future proof Malcolm in the Middle by shooting in widescreen, but not make sure that stuff that shouldn't appear on camera didn't appear on camera, but then it's like, oh, right. 
most stuff probably shot in widescreen back then, and they just pan and scanned for television. Well, they no, they probably they just shot wide, but they they probably always shot crop. I mean, they knew what they were shooting, no matter what. You just it's shot a, wide, that, regardless. That, that, that's what I think. Cause yeah. It's like how if you ever watch um, uh, sports, it's it's really weird. Like whenever ESPN shows sporting events on network television on ABC, the graphics are formatted for four three because some people, I guess, still watch television in SD. Yeah, the score bars will be floating yeah, right yeah, in the middle. Yeah. It, we'll yeah. get further and further away from that at some point. And some, I think some networks do broadcast with stuff jammed way in the corners out of the way, but not as not very well, often. Anyway, it's just odd that like people won't stand for watching Malcolm in its original aspect ratio. Like the the the, the bars on the sides are are they're that annoying. We just seem to be living in a time where aspect ratios are just not respected. <laughs> you know. Well, it, it is like the wire. I refuse to watch it in its widescreen adaptation. Well, they probably also shot in widescreen too. Yeah, they did and shoot, just, and that's why yeah. they were able to just say, "All right, here's the here's a here's a widescreen version of yeah, it." Yeah. So it started like, I, did we have this issue when films started being letterboxed in 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 the '90s? Like that didn't bother me when when Star Wars was 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 letterboxed, but then widescreen televisions happen and then people insisted on filling the entire screen um well that's just different different widescreen aspect ratios too anybody who's ever bitched about a black box i immediately just i I don't know how to deal with a person like that because they don't understand how things how aspect ratios work in the first place but it's shooting shooting like tv widescreen two three five versus two three five or something like that is is lot you either people understand it or they don't understand it like it, well, pe- it's people lost. people get annoyed when they when they try to watch a, a, a two three five one uh, film on, on a on an HD TV because there's black bars. Fuck those because, people. Fuck right. Them. They're the ones who have so, motion smoothing smoothing turned on their TVs too, so everything looks. So like I mean, this is where we're at. You, you have people stretching SD TV on an HD TV, and you you have. Uh, People posting uh, yeah, vertical fucking videos on YouTube. Why doesn't YouTube offer a, a vertical uh, player? Well, they do on on mobile. They do. If you oh. if you full screen vertical videos on YouTube on your phone, it will fill the vertical screen. If you're not rotated, obviously wide, you but should be murdered anyway. I wonder, like, if people will watch a portrait video on YouTube with all that black space, why can't they watch Malcolm in the Middle? Yeah, it, with this, that raises bars. a very good point. It's like you you fucking shoot video the wrong the wrong direction, and then you these some of these people have to be overlapped into the fact that they don't want to watch Malcolm in the Middle the correct way they want to watch it wide. You can't you can't have it both ways. True TV is a sister station of Adult Swim, and True TV has greenlighted a short form comedy series titled Late Night Snack to run at 11 p.m. beginning March 3rd. So it's it's like um, liquid television or robot chicken, I guess. Just lots of uh, short comedy bits cobbled together. And some of them uh, are Alec Baldwin's Love Ride. <laughs> um, Alec Baldwin takes 
surprised but game couples for a ride in his office limo, learning their stories and providing them with relationship advice. So cash cab <laughs> with, with Alec Baldwin. Baldwin and relationship advice. Oh, it's, it's like um, Taxi Cab Confessions times. A, a much famous, a more famous actor. Yeah. And, and Cash Cab in, in a way. Alex's famous and funny friends also join in on the action, following the star and his love ride closely behind in a separate car and offering their own advice. Okay, so <laughs> he has a comedian tailing him. And feeding him information and things to say. This is like this is like every car reality concept combined into one. It's cheap. The studio's cheap because you just stick people in cars. So that's why these still exist. Yeah. It's cheap to make. Ben- Benjamin the Cat. Human-sized cat mascot Benjamin the Cat made his debut on Impractical Jokers and has since become a fan favorite. Now in his own series of shorts... Fans follow Benjamin's exploits as he tries holding down a real person job in an office filled with humans. So I've never seen this Benjamin the Cat, but this is like the third Impractical Joker show on True TV. They're like True TV's uh, Seth MacFarlane or, or Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> they just keep coming. Yeah, yeah. People, you need to stop <coughs> watching Impractical Jokers. Yeah. So, celebrity storytelling, uh, a series of animated shorts during which famous Hollywood actors, comedians, and musicians recall and often disremember or completely fabricate the greatest childhood stories, fairy tales, and literary, literary classics of all time. The celebrities struggle to recall well-known literary tales completely from memory. It's, it's drunk history with... Um, fairy tales and stories. Fairy tales, Yeah. It's animated though instead. So it's like it's like Drunk History times Doctor Katz. I think, I think it being animated might take a little bit away from it being actually. Funny. What if it's like? What if it's like rotoscoped, like Waking Life, right? It will just look weird. You gotta be on drugs for that to work. I like uh, it's that show is produced by Titmouse, and I like their animated shows. Um, okay, D sides. In an easy-running D-Sides, a failing record store that boasts one of the rarest collections of long-lost and never-before-heard records from the world's most famous artists, and when a rival hipster record store moves in next door, stealing D-Sides' business, best friends and owners Neil and John make a play to save their store. Each week, they unveil a rare gem, D-Side, in the form of a music video that will blow any music lover away. So I assume this will just be like a comedy music video every week. So they just they make a video. I think this only works if you have actual bands. Yeah, because the music that's being produced is not music we know. They have to be yeah. making it up, right? Uh, okay. I don't. I don't know about that. Found footage files, childhood friends, Joe and Nick. Um, report on location from the site of their favorite VHS finds. Thrift stores, storage lockers, and public access stations serve as the backdrop as the duo introduces clips from these long-lost video relics, telling the stories behind the tapes and offering up their comedic observations. 
I, I feel like I've seen this before. This this concept of just uh, this is just like hot package on Adult Swim, isn't it? Well, yeah. I wonder if they're gonna present it in a similar fashion. Seems seems like, it. or is it more like Mystery Science Theater? Do they like? Or there was that that found magazine. You know, David Rothbart um, would just find stuff, and I think they had like a, a film component too. Mm, okay, uh, passive aggressive history. A comedic. This is a lot of shows for a thirty-minute book. Passive aggressive history. A comedic look at defining moments in history through the imagined petty conversations of the legendary individuals who lived them. Whether it's the infighting crew of the Apollo Eleven or the frenemies of colonial Salem. Okay, you know. Well, is this like drunk history too, where they like? No, no. I think this is just like. This is just like let's you know let's. Have some fun with history. This should be on History Channel's later. Oh, block. I see. So they they're yeah. making things up. They're taking yeah, their yeah, liberties yeah, with yeah. the situation. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. The screen test: a comedy where actors are misdirected and pushed to the extremes on an audition that, unbeknownst to them, will be used as the final product of a televised comic comedic short. So they're tormenting actors at auditions. That could be all right. Yeah. Mm, making them do okay. ridiculous shit. This seems very hit or miss. Late night snack. Well, True TV has really yet to nail a comedic format that has been has worked for me. We shall see. Yeah, we shall see. All right, on uh, February 29th, History Channel 2, H2, uh, becomes Viceland, a uh, television network by Vice, the media empire. And Viceland's creative director is... Spike Jones, who you uh, may remember, directed that video where that dude is on fire and just <laughs> runs down the street. I, I can't even remember the name of the name of the song. Shit, whose video was that? Uh, Spike Jones fire video. Oh, Wax, Southern California. There, it's a good video. Really good. <clears throat> so Spike Jones is full time at Viceland, committed to making this network succeed. Let's discuss uh, Viceland's programming. Balls Deep is the name of the show, featuring Thomas Morton, who I like. You know, he's on the the Vice HBO show. Hanging out with groups of people for four to five days. These groups include high school seniors from Gary, Indiana, the week before graduation, and gay bears in Provincetown, Massachusetts. It's good. He he did the, if anybody hasn't watched it, the noisy Atlanta uh, series. They stuck him in in there, and it was it was pretty good. I, I I think the charm of Thomas Morton is that he's this nerdy white guy. Oh, so nerdy! And yeah. So they 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 deliberately put him in. Uh, they know what they're doing when they stick him in the middle of it, the Atlanta trap scene. Yeah, like yeah. they know that that is going to turn turn out some good stuff, and it did. I remember watching him. It was on the HBO show. They sent him to like some country in Africa to. Uh, do a piece on Gavage where they're basically, uh, they make women throw up <laughs> and he participated. And so, you know, this, this dude, this nerdy white dude in the desert forcing himself to throw up to lose weight. He's, he's at least game. He, he, he yeah. does everything. Good for him. All right. Fashion Week International, we're coming up with a better name for that, Jones says, <laughs> uses fashion as an entry point to talk about politics, women's issues, and underreported cultural phenomenons. 
according to host Haley Gates. I'm unfamiliar with her work, so I'm sure she's a perfectly fine mm-hmm. host. It, so, Gaycation. A better name. Yeah. Well, is a better name. Gaycation uh, from actress Ellen Page and her BFF Ian Daniel is a, essentially a travel show about the LGBTQ communities. No, about LGBTQ communities and what it means to be LGBTQ all over the world. I'm assuming her best friend Ian is is gay as well. It seems I'm not it, sure. It, yeah, it, it so would seem it would I'm seem just, likely. I'm just reading through here. Oh wait, so Ellen Page spent a month in Brazil. And this is in the trailer. She comes in yeah. contact with a police officer who has murdered gay people. At one point, he tells Page that if any gay people cross his path, he will kill them. <laughs> Page's noticeable quivering as she asks her colleague if it is safe to tell the officer she is gay. So she does that and. In one, another episode, she confronts Ted Cruz at an Iowa State Fair rally. So Ellen, Ellen Page really going for it, you know? Well, we haven't seen much from her lately, so that's cool. Yeah, so she's been traveling the world. Uh, Reporting for Vice. Yeah. Uh, Huang's World uh, is a show in which chef and author Eddie Huang of Fresh Off the Boat travels the world exploring identity using food as an equalizer. I heard that this is like Anthony Bourdain's show, but with a... A little more ethnic? Yeah, with an Asian dude. Cool, yeah. That sounds good. Flophouse looks at up-and-coming comedians who live together in beat-up houses around the country. I think this is this is the most promising of, of Vice's initial slate, just because this is something you don't see, right? Well, who, who thinks... A comedian reality show living together? I mean, we don't have and, much of that in like In dumpy houses, yeah. Are they just staying with like random people as a tour? Is that kind of the gist of it? Maybe I'm not sure. Okay. They they haven't revealed that's, too much information. That's not really but. that clear. Oh, fuck! That's delicious. Follows New York rapper Action Bronson and his crew as they tour and eat around the world. And, <laughs> and I've seen clips of this because you some of these actually have been yeah, online. Yeah, like some some of, some of the some of Iceland's programming is just extensions of stuff they've done. Uh, stuff they've done. So there's a there's a noisy show, and there's a motherboard show. So you have action brought, you have a fat Jewish dude touring around the world and eating, and then you have Eddie Huang as a fat Asian dude doing the same thing. Yeah, but here's the thing: Action Bronson seems like all he does is eat stuff, and then be like, make a face and go, "Damn, that's good," and that's about yeah. it. Like yeah, Eddie Huang uh, probably uh, has a little bit a little more philosophical about it, like Bourdain is. Yeah, I mean, I'm jealous because it looks like Action Bronson gets to eat some good food, but he, I don't think but he has nearly the, as this much. Thing you want you. So you don't you don't want to have to write like thoughts about how food uh, influences culture. You just want to eat and like. And that's what you know, he's doing. Right? Yeah, that's it's, what he's doing. It's the other side of the coin, then. So you have you have getting getting deep on it probably with Eddie Huang and not so deep with Action Bronson. We Deket, uh, Krishna and Devalu investigates the science, culture, and economics of the marijuana culture as it goes mainstream. I. I, I just got done watching that High Profit show on CNN. I don't know if you've ever heard about um, that. Yeah, there was just a, a film release this weekend called Rolling Papers about the legalization of marijuana in Colorado. Sure, and this, took, and this, how, this also took place in Colorado. Yeah, well. and how the, uh, the Denver Post hired a, a critic to review weed. You know, I, I'm infinitely interested in that world, not because I smoke weed, but it just... I keep getting sucked in by 
documentary I mean, I, I think and it, it, stuff can, about it. If they can make a show about moonshiners, you know, why not weed? Personally, I prefer a crystal meth and crack, but <laughs> that's just me. I'd still, I still watch documentaries about pretty much all drug facets. It just it, it fascinates me. That one could be cool. What else do we have here? And then just noisy as a channel. No, no, noisy uh, motherboard, like I said. Uh, Vice World of Sports. Yeah. Project X, Party Legends, an oral history of absolute insanity. So this is uh, an extension of the film <laughs> about wild parties. And then finally, um, Black Market with Michael K. Williams, Omar on the Wire, where he explores illegal stuff, I'm yeah. guessing. Well, uh, if there's anybody you're just going to kind of let in your world, he's a perfect candidate to to get into stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, so... It says he ex- uh, explores the car theft craze in Newark, New Jersey, uh, in one episode. Um, my, my, I wonder, like, this is these are twelve shows. It's fine, but what what else is Viceland going to show the rest of the time? Like, what you know, old TV shows are they going to fill their daytime schedule with? Well, I mean, are they using? I'm curious to know if they're using going to continue to use YouTube and their their video channels online to incubate more shows because I mean a good portion of these I've been watching pretty much a version of these on their channel. That's a problem. Like at some point you search yourself too thin because they all, they're also still doing an HBO show in addition to having a a full uh, television network. Um, It says that they're going to uh, buy films and documentaries to fill time. I mean, there's a there's a, a pretty deep well. Like, like what 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 old what existing television shows can they just like throw throw on? You know, six episodes a day. I don't know. I feel like they can probably package up a good portion of things they've they've already produced that people ha- wouldn't have seen already. I mean, like the noisy Atlanta thing. They could run that as an episode that fills up a half hour, and they just did their Bompton thing with Kendrick Lamar, which was pretty good. If anybody is interested in checking that out. But, I mean, it's more or less more of the same, and the variety becomes a lot less between... The distinction between these shows <laughs> starts to blur. It'll be interesting to see how they fill a whole channel. Yeah, but I've always wondered why uh, uh, television networks just don't show concerts, right? It just seems like such an e- it's such a cheap way to fill programming time. Well, the demographic that would be attracted to this channel would certainly be into, like, like, airing old Coachellas. I don't know. Is that what you're thinking? Well, what I would do if I was Fox and I wanted a late night show, I would, like, put a camera at uh, some music club in New York City. And then every night, this is a different act. And he comes on and he performs for an hour. And then that's my late night show, right? Okay. Seems like such a cheap, easy way, and people tune in if they if they if they're curious, or if they're interested in in the act. It's not like MTV is going to be playing any music. You could at least get something that you're not getting on any other network. That's not a bad idea. Speaking of ideas, uh, have you heard of this show, Forged in Fire? I'm I, I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here. Do they make? things like yeah, it's tools. on it's on history channel yeah i've uh, seen it then yeah um i just discovered it the most talented bladesmiths in the world test their metal at this cutting edge competition series 
Hosted by weapons expert Will Willis, the series will feature world-class bladesmiths creating many of history's most iconic edged weapons, from the Japanese katana to the medieval broadsword to ancient throwing blades like the chakram. So this, the second season debuted in mid-February with the Warhammer. And <laughs> I just wonder, like, how many seasons can you get out of this show, this 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 concept like how many bladesmiths <laughs> are interesting enough for television and talented enough because it's to... a it's a different person every time i was under understanding that it was just one team it's, it's like it's like a, I, a i'm guessing it's like a uh, a reality competition where every week someone is eliminated huh. because that, then, w- like, maybe what i've seen that, was different because it was just a group of people making weapons maybe maybe that was a team challenge i don't uh, yeah, i'm not I don't know. It sounds like yeah, this is a competition series. So I assume like one person is is better than than all of them. So they all make the same weapon. Yeah, and then like ah. they're judged. They're judged. So like who made the best um, Elizabethan rapier, right? <laughs> and because this is different, this is different than like a food competition. You really never run out of food. Yeah, so, but th- but then like that that um, face off that makeup show on on Sci Fi is in its like. I don't know. It's in double-digit seasons, and they still get people. They still get makeup artists. There's the pool is deep enough. Oh that, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's a ton of cooks out there. But and how many blacks? To me, that, are to, that's pretty niche already. Makeup artists, and then now you're talking about bladesmiths, which is you know even smaller than that. Well, and I wonder if they're like a true definition of like. Nobody has a business. I mean, somebody does have a business card that says I'm a bladesmith, but I bet a good majority of these people, their actual job is like they're a blacksmith and they make like fences or something like fancy wrought iron fences. You know, they're not actually, there's not actually their, their real deal is they're a bladesmith or weapon maker, which are some of them are, but probably very small portion. So I wonder if they just think they can dig. Yeah. At, at, at the very least this, this, uh, this this show is a better idea than that that furniture competition. Did you ever see uh, the furniture one hosted by Common? No. It was on um, Sp- Framework. It was on Spike. What year did this run? Uh, last year. And so every week they had to build a piece of furniture, and <laughs> and Common was the, Common was the host and a judge. So you'd see Common like critiquing their furniture. Common, you should have just stayed on Hell on Wheels if you're going to j- just host furniture competitions. Ugh. Well, what w- what I wonder is, do you remember um, on the lot? It was like film. It was like a filmmaker competition, and the winner would get a job with Spielberg. And then the show was like canceled midway. It was on Fox. Yeah, and then nobody nobody yeah. went on. I I wonder like why why that is the concept that no one. Is willing to revive, right? You have a competition where people are making weapons, like blade weapons, and yet something as basic as "oh, who can make the best short film every week" isn't a viable idea. It's something at least a little bit more interesting and tangible, and, and that, you can. And that's yeah, that's something that everyone. It's not like food where you can't taste the food. It's like dancing where you can see them dance. You can see these films. Yeah, you can judge them. Uh, there's so much more you there's so much you can do with them yeah, yeah. why do, why do those why do those fail and we get fucking the scottish I, claymore I, I feel like um if if someone were to revive that idea of the filmmaking competition they'd want some like 
grand prize, and you don't need that. Why don't we just say the, the winner of our, our film competition will get $100,000, Yeah, right? throw them some money. Why does so it have to be a thing like you're going to work yeah, with Yeah, don't, don't promise, you know, you'll get an internship at Legendary or something. Yeah, I agree. Just throw some people some money and just have them fight for that. That's just as good, really. All right, that's it for this episode. You can find me elsewhere at adamriff.com and on Twitter at adamriffs with an S at the end. And you can find me on Twitter at zombieologist and you can email us at backwashaudio at gmail.com and you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, We'll see you around. You say we're done You packed up your stuff It's really over So you've had enough There's one thing I'd like to say Before you leave Fuck you, bitch You broke my heart Fuck your friends Tearing us apart Fuck you